Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 288 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I talk to Dylan Walker of One Rat Games about their action-adventure game, Elden, Path of the Forgotten. This is a really, really fun and quite terrifying and entertaining top-down action-adventure game which has a bit of a twist to it. It's, yeah, it's really different in a good way. And I really enjoyed this chat with Dylan, so do, do listen on. To me from about six weeks ago. Chris, if you'd be so kind. Dylan! Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, well, yeah, as you just said, my name's Dylan and uh, I make video games. Um, it's basically all I really do. That's <laughs> really, really succinct. Much... That's a wonderful, I mean, I wish. I mean, sometimes you get people with about a thousand titles on their heads, and that's cool. Some people get one title, like Design Director. It's also great. But you, sir, just declare, I, I make video games. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because like, being mainly a solo developer, um, I kind of just do a little bit of everything. So it's a lot easier just to say I make video games and going on for ages about what I actually do. Indeed, indeed. I mean, the, 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 it's... That's enough said. I mean, the thing about video games is it encompasses so many different other mediums that uh, it it's kind of quite mind-boggling. So, leading off from that, the next question is now many guests who actually plough into this next question in any way, but you haven't. Well done, sir. You haven't preempted. But uh, how did you make your start making video games? Um, I have a really like I have a little bit of a weird like background, I guess. Um. Because I moved out of home when I was like 15 years old and I dropped out of high school when I was probably 17. Um, so I like didn't really do anything traditionally my whole life. Um, always kind of just jumped into the deep end, into the unknown and kind of worked it out. And after like dropping out of high school, I did nothing for a very long time. But through that period of doing nothing, I was able to look into things that interest me and like actually learn stuff that I was actually interested in, I guess. Um, and I started learning about game design, but more so game art. And I started doing 3D modeling and was getting all right at it. And then learned that, yeah, you can go and study game design. And 
went and did that. And I was lucky enough that I had a portfolio of all of that 3D art that I'd been making because I didn't finish high school, but I had the skills to demonstrate to be able to get in off the back of that. Um, and this is my first game since I finished university. So it really is all just the start of my journey now, I guess, but it's been a long one already. That's incredible. Um, the fact that you actually, some people like the education doesn't work for them and that's fine. Uh, traditional and also other external circumstances that I'm not going to ask you to divulge or ask you to. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, I say, despite that, maybe it's just for you to actually grapple a really, really difficult medium like, like video game creation and say, I'll yeah. do that. <laughs> I've it's always an age a challenge, know. I guess. Um, one thing I've actually been thinking about a lot recently is like, so I skateboard. And I think, like, the the mentality of skateboarding and video games, like video game development, is very similar because it, it's just, it's completing something and it's just embracing a challenge. Like, skateboarding isn't easy and making games isn't easy. And the whole time you're doing it, you're going to be challenged. But the whole time you're progressing and you've always got something else to learn. And I think that can be very scary for a lot of people. But skateboarding and video game, it's something you really embrace and yeah, I don't know. That's just something I've been thinking about. A bit of a tangent, but yeah. No, it's not a tangent. It's absolutely I can completely understand that, and everyone has their own way of doing. For example, was a for me personally, you know, skateboarding the horror of it. I tried it once, and then immediately leapt off and said, "No, I don't want to die." Because uh, growing up as a child and sharing this with you, I was extremely cautious, like terrified yeah. of falling over, and just like just not a thrill seeker whatsoever. Uh, and to this day, even the act of climbing a ladder fills me full of dread. Not because of heights, it's because of the fear of falling off of it <laughs> and the resulting yeah. pain. However, my brother, uh, he's the opposite. One of my brothers, but he's the opposite. He's a complete thrill seeker and didn't care. You know, he did all the things, all the things. So um, I can definitely appreciate and understand why. Uh, and also the act of... Um, uh, getting on a skateboard and actually doing something worthwhile with it or impressive or exhilarating or, you know, do, pulling some amazing stunt off by doing a jump and then riding on a rail then flipping the, the same board that you're riding on. And uh, it's just astonishing. And the closest I've got was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on the Dreamcast, which is not a bad game. Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably the reason I got into skateboarding to begin with was probably that game. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have a, yeah, I, I had a Dreamcast from launch, and uh, so when it came out, I went, no, just wait for the Dreamcast version. It came out about a few weeks after the PlayStation version, I think, and uh, yeah. yeah, I was the right move. <laughs> it was the right move. Um, but um, no, it's it, you're right, and, and the, the, the sheer effort and struggle is very comparable, even though one's very physical, of course, and the other is more mental. Uh, and uh, the amount of focus required. How have you found that over over the years? Have you struggled with that, or is it something you you you, you have a mental capacity to actually go? Um, I've hit a setback here, but I can get through. Um, yeah, it's definitely been a challenge throughout the entire process because, like, I try and do this full time, um, but the game obviously only just released, and I was working on it for four years. So I didn't really have any money for that time. Um, so trying to balance it all 
makes it really hard because on one side you're getting demoralized from the fact that you know you need to pay rent you need to do all of these things the game's falling behind and you're just trying to balance it all so i was finding myself doing a lot of contracting and that kind of stuff and then when i was working on side projects then i had no real time or energy or drive to work on the personal project so it's always really been a struggle to just like yeah just dedicate time to it and work out a way that I can do it. Like dedicating time to it isn't actually the hard part, but working out how I can do that in a sustainable way where I actually still live in my house. Um, yeah, I suppose that was the really hard part of trying to balance all of that. You can't live on ramen all the day, all the time, can you? No, I, I have a friend who tried and he got scurvy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Didn't get enough vitamin C. It's interesting. I actually always have some fruit every day. I'm not being Mr. I don't know. Kind of like the taste of it and the, the amount of water in them. It's fascinating. Yeah. But anyway, if you notice that, it's just, uh, it's just, I mean, most of this is water. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, you've created a thing and you've created things most of your life, sounds like, and it's fantastic. So Elden, the path of forgotten, is a thing you've made. So clearly... As a creator of things, you must have the influence of some sort. I mean, something that you orbit more than anything, whether you like it or not. What do you believe that is, or maybe multiple things? It's a bit of a nebulous question, but I think it's important for me to ask a creator this very thing. Yeah. Um, I think depending on how like I interpret that question, I could answer it in a few ways, but. Fear of the unknown has always been a big theme in, I suppose, my life and the things I make in general. Um, yeah, as I said, I moved out of home when I was 15, so I've always just been jumping into the unknown. And it's something that, with this game especially, I wanted to make the player feel. So, yeah, I'd say that's probably the biggest inspiration, um, at least at this point in my life. I'm actually working on another project in my like spare time at the moment and that also is very heavily focused on just fear of the unknown that's really the cornerstone of elden the path of forgotten for me is just every path you do go down is like oh what's down here <laughs> yeah what what what, what was, thing what what great tentacle beast is going to try to rip my face off down here but it was something I like really tried to work on with the games. Like all of the dialogue that's in the game, not dialogue, but all like the text that's shown in the actual game is all hidden behind a language you can't understand, which is there to make the player feel uneasy because I want to show them things that they can't know, but that they want to know. So it's always about making the player ask questions without giving them too many answers. And when they do get answers, making it feel like they found those answers themselves. And because it is such a like visual story, those answers can come from themselves. It doesn't necessarily have to be what I envisioned initially through my experiences. They just need to put it together in a way which resonates for them. Yes. It reminded me a lot of when I played Outer Wilds over Christmas last year. And that I has... still really need to play that. You I've just do. been so busy with this game recently <laughs> that I haven't had much time to like pick up new titles. Um, yeah. yeah, you need yeah. You, you need to. Um, sorry, you probably heard that about a thousand times by now by peers and other friends and colleagues. Like, have you played a... Well, if you ask me that one more time, 
But isn't um, the guy who like runs the studio who made that game the guy who played uh, like the main character in the TV show Heroes from the early two thousands? I don't know. I'll find out. You might be right. I think it is. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. That aside, and that's a bit of a bombshell because I didn't know. I, I I did try to get him on the show, but it didn't never actually panned out, and then they 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 become super famous, so it's difficult. Uh, but yeah. um, the the act of you know that that has that language issue where you the you know uh, initially you have a translator, but you have to have, you have to translate it yourself. You actually have the act of putting a scanner across the thing and reading it, and then trying to decipher. The, the, the message and uh, there are times when you're doing it under a great deal of stress so you can't really read it properly that's quite interesting and amusing well frustrating at the same time but it, with Elden the Path of the Forgotten uh, you don't have that luxury of you just have a you know a splash of text come across and you know to the uninitiated you think oh is that a bug I can't read that no that's just well, it's an announcement something you've encountered something and it's now communicating you in its own way I can't read it. This is in English, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, just accept it. It's it's a thing. You've encountered something. And I mean, what's quite amusing is going back to the point of, uh, you know, your influences and how, you know, you don't know what's going to be around the corner. And I've been very negative, saying, oh, yeah, around the next corner is going to be a big tentacle monster. But a lot of the times, it's actually nothing. You wear yourself up over nothing apart from a really nice statue with a bird on it. Like, <laughs> oh, but I was getting one eye. I know you were. I swear I was going to get my face melted off. Yeah, why not? Not this time. Just a statue. Enjoy. <laughs> and that's. Yeah, I, I think it's important to have those moments in the story to have all the other moments actually have value. Otherwise, you're just, yeah, constantly expecting the same thing. Yeah, you need contrast. You need a respite, you know. And also ask the question what's that bird doing? It's in a nest. It's what birds do. Okay. <laughs> so, next question then. Um, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? It's a tricky question. Um, it can be a company rather than a person. Also, be careful with how you answer these days because all sorts of horrible things are happening out there, apparently. <laughs> Uh, I would probably have to say a local Melbourne company called Powerhoof. Um, they developed a game called Crawl, which is like a pixel art game uh, where you, like couch co-op, three people play the monsters, one person plays the hero kind of thing. Um, but they are two people and they're just both incredibly talented and the stuff that they make just has such a high quality. You would never guess it was coming out of a two-person team. And yeah. I don't know, just they found great success of just working as themselves in their little niche. And yeah, I don't know. I would like to be able to do that someday. Good answer. I'll have to check it out myself. They're also a pretty big influence. Um, one of their games was like a pretty big influence visually on Elden Path of Forgotten as well. Right, right. I was going to ask you a little bit about that, but we'll, we'll keep the powder dry for now. But yes, because it's a very unique art style. It's sort of like elongated. Interesting. Uh, at least the main character is in the world is, but the creatures aren't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, last question then. I think you kind of hinted at this earlier. I can't remember. But um, 
We are a video game podcast and therefore are legally obliged to ask this question. What are you playing right now? Uh, most people don't really like the answer, <laughs> but I've just been playing a lot of Minecraft recently. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been super stressed and it's just the kind of game that I can go into, spend a lot of time doing not a lot, but at the same time doing a lot, just taking my time and just not worrying. So it's been really so stress relief. Is it the creator mode, not the survival mode? No, survival mode. Um, okay. So I suppose it wouldn't be creative to uh, be uh, stress relieving to some people because, yeah, sometimes you die and lose everything you've been working on for the last few hours. But that in itself, I find, I don't know, somewhat relieving. Yeah. Yeah, it's a um, cycle of life and all that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sometimes you just think, I built that thing with express purpose of taking you out and it utterly mm. failed. Damn it. And, and like, I have a little Discord server. So we have a server for the Minecraft realm as well. So people from my server come and play. So like, I'm playing with the people in the server as well, which just yeah makes it better as well. Yeah, extraordinary game that uh, refuses to go away. And why should it? Why should it? Yeah. There's some games that just will not go away. I count games like World of Warcraft. Won't die. Because people... Why? Yeah. yeah. Diablo. <laughs> people, and now Path of Exile, of course, which... Uh, which uh, it's an extraordinary thing, which a bunch of Kiwis made, and uh, yeah, 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 just a fantastic job of that, and uh, turned the whole genre on its head. Um, but uh, yeah, no, fantastic answer. I'm not, I'm not gonna. No, I mean, here's a man. I'm sitting there, you know, playing Animal Crossing most of the time, and last thing <laughs> I did was I actually created a tribute to Outrun. Oh, nice. Yeah, the way I did it because you can build stone arches. And one of the most iconic tracks in Outrun is those big stone arches you ride, you go under. And I got a bed that was looked like a race car. I went, oh, I know what I can do with this. <laughs> I can make a tribute to Outrun. <laughs> so I did. I've got this great long stretch of stone arches with a road in the middle. And I stuck this bed at the end of it because it looks like a car. I went, here you go. Outrun. I still actually haven't played um, Animal Crossing yet. Um, right. Yeah. I really should get to, but that's the kind of game I can't really play right now because I have so much stuff that I need to do. That, that would be a bad idea. It would be, and it was also demands <laughs> like, well, we've got to play every day because you've got to look after everyone. You've got to keep the weeds off, and really, really. So, but I find it very, very relaxing in the switching off, and it sounds like you're in that space too. But with your completion of Elden Path of the Forgotten, I say completion in inverted commas, I mean the after sales and making sure everything's working and also the ports to other platforms and stuff can make things drag on. But ultimately, it is a thing you've made. You've, there it is. It's it's finished in inverted commas uh, as best it can be. Uh, no creative endeavour is truly finished. It's just yeah. you just have to understand the concept of it's good enough. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a horrible phrase, and sometimes we have to figure out some another way of describing it because it implies you've made something half baked. No, it just means it's 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 sufficient. It's what you are trying to make, and I, you could keep on going for the next four years and adding more content and tweaking it and polishing it. And indeed, many developers do fall into this trap of yeah. doing that very thing. Um, but uh, you know, it's not something. You know, but the ones that are, you know. Really know their stuff. Finish, finish it, and get it out, and that's important. So yeah, yeah. that's the end of the first half. Oh, cool. Yeah, well done. You made it. Let's uh, 
So that's a little bit of mini boss in the middle of question four. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the second half, where we delve deep into Elden, Path of the Forgotten. So, first question. Regular listeners will know it's not a question. It's a request. <laughs> we can't talk about Elden Path of the Forgotten until we know what it is. So in your own words, Dylan, if you don't mind, what is Elden Path of the Forgotten? Okay, so it's a medieval eldritch fantasy based around... Uh, a child who loses their mother and has to go into a dark world to basically try and save them. Um, I've never said it that way before, and I'm still trying to work out why I said it that way. But that is what it is. Uh, I normally just word it a little differently. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a medieval eldritch fantasy based around fear and my experiences of moving out of home at 15. Wow. So it's almost autobiographical. Uh, in some some aspects, not in, you know, but uh, yeah, the the story is told through a very loose way, so um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, what struck me is when, and I just want to cover this. It's quite interesting. I've encountered this in a lot of games recently. Is that the game just starts and doesn't really tell you what to do? It assumes that you know you can move with the left thumbstick, because of course you do. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And you take a baseline assumption that, oh, yeah, of course you attack with the X button. Why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. You know, I, that... I tried to make it so there wasn't like too much danger at the start so that you were only really introduced to little threats to begin with so that you had time to experiment and work out what things are. Um, one thing I really didn't want to do in the game was have any like UI or menus. So like all of the inventory and stuff is always done through the HUD and a big part of that was not having big uh, pop-ups on the screen so that was trying to do yeah tutorial visually which I don't think I really did that well Uh, it seems to be one of the things that a lot of people have complaints with but at the same time I didn't want to hold people's hand I wanted them to discover it and it was never going to be something that everyone would fully understand because a lot of people like to have their hand held but that's definitely not something this game does 
No, and I liked it for that. It's one of the reasons I've been on the show, because when I played at the demo of at PAX, I went, oh, it's one of these. One of these that doesn't insult the player's intelligence and assumes a great yeah. deal of their prior knowledge. And for also to explore for themselves and figure stuff out for themselves, because that mere act of discovery makes you feel like you're a genius. Yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, that's the kind of thing I was trying to go for. I think the earliest examples of that, I can say, you may disagree, but my personal experience is when I was playing point-and-click adventures uh, and uh, figuring out those puzzles, that some of them are ridiculously esoteric. Uh, and you go, yeah. I'm, I'm a genius. I'm the best I am. I, I'm just the best. And that's what they were trying. That's what the creators and designers are trying to do. They're yeah, trying- they're giving you moments of discovering to make you yes. feel like you discovered. And you yeah. did, because they don't just give it to you. Which no. is, I think, a problem with a lot of games now is that everything is just explicit. You come up to someone and they just go, oh, go and do this, like this, in this area. And you go and do exactly what they told you, and that's basically the game. Yeah. I mean, if that's your thing, knock yourself out. But, yeah. um, and it can and be... And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, it's just, it's what people are used to. Yeah, but it, it it spans across entire genres, by the way, everyone. You may think, you know, Mario Kart, what's the discovery of now? Well, <laughs> how long have you got? <laughs> we could discover a lot of things with that game. And uh, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's it's got, it's um, that act of, of granting intelligence and intellect on the part of the player and actually letting them discover and learn from their mistakes and also their successes. That's something people don't really understand too. Is you learn a lot from your successes as well. Um, that meant a lot, you know. Me, the inventory management. I just went, well, which button is it? I wonder if it's the D-pad. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know, just went. Well, I'm not using the D-pad to move. I'm using the thumbstick. Let's see if the D-pad. Do- oh, it does. There it is. It didn't tell me that. You know, one thing. We added, well, that I added a little bit recently was yeah. it'll be in the next patch on Switch, but it's on uh, the PC version at the moment. Yeah. Is when you pause the game, we do actually display the controls there. Oh, that's um, nice. But the, so the idea is that when you start up the game, you still get that experience of not being told to begin with. But if you do get confused and you're not working something out, when you do pause the game, then you get told. Because I do want people to have that experience of working out what the buttons are themselves. I don't want it to be a hurdle for them actually enjoying the game. No. So, yeah, we did add uh, some controls to the pause screen because you'd have to go to the main menu to check the controls beforehand. But, yeah, now yeah. they're just displaying yeah. their own game. I think the most extreme version of this uh, I played recently, I actually streamed uh, Star Lancer on my Dreamcast last week, and that was fun. But that game required every button on the Dreamcast controller to do everything. And then some. They had combinations as well. We had to press buttons. Oh, God. It was a game that was originally released on the PC and then they pulled it onto console and it was like the PC needed the entire keyboard to function. So they had to do some very interesting dexterity things to get it to work on the Dreamcast. And uh, I kind of kind of relate to like, well, if I can, fo- if I can conquer that, which I did, uh, I can certainly <laughs> I can certainly uh, deal with Elden Path of Forgotten and its nuances. So, that aside, let's move on to the first proper design question. Here we go. Brace yourself. <laughs> when designing the monsters in Elden, Path of the Forgotten, that a player engages with, how have you found understanding what the player can do and how to counteract those abilities to the point of making each engagement 
challenging. Well, yeah, basically anything that an enemy can do in the game is based around something the player could do that I didn't want them to be able to do as easily. <laughs> so the AI are kind of just designed around those kind of interactions with the player. So initially, so one of the things you can do with the game is that you can run past a lot of the enemies by design because I wanted it to be accessible to speedrunners and I know. I like in Dark Souls that you don't have to fight everything. You can just run past some things. Not everything is necessary to fight. Um, what was the question again? I completely... Yeah, that's fine. It's a not. It's, it's quite laser-focused, a lot to think, but ultimately what I'm asking you is, how have you found the design of the creatures that the player engages with, knowing that the, the player is capable of some significant... Um, or you know, is a formidable opponent... So what have you found to actually deal with to make sure that you don't trample on the player but, but that still maintain a sense of challenge? Because for me, every engagement in uh, Elden Path of the Forgotten is a sense of, of dread because I'm going, there's, there's a good 70-80% chance that I'll succeed but there's that 20% that I won't. And that's the thing, that kind of... that. How have you found keeping that edge of, of anxiety without frustration going through the game uh yeah i think that's why i was having a little bit of a hard time to answer the question because it's kind of been just an ongoing thing for like four years so it's been a, like a very long process and it's kind of just been something that's happened organically throughout the development because everything has been for that like end goal but there's right. so many different little things that actually can interact with how that feels that it's a little bit hard to just put it into words. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's just a lot of balancing, basically, and a lot of testing. Um, okay. So, for example, I've found there's a, the, one of the first creatures you encounter, because it's not a spoiler, everyone, there's lots of things that happen. Lots of things that happen. I'll go on, but I won't, because it's not fair. <laughs> one of the first creatures you encounter, you hear them before you see them. Yeah. Um, Again. One of the... Go on. Yeah, yeah, so that's because the actual reason why I made it so you could hear them before you see them is because of the fact that they are the first enemies that you encounter in the game. And now a lot of the enemies in the game you can hear before you see them. But that all just stemmed from that one time in the game where I wanted the player to hear the threat before they came up to it because I hadn't told them any buttons yet. Um, <laughs> so like, it's all about finding like yeah those little moments and then realizing that that actually worked really well and then expanding on it, I guess. And of course, they do have a vicious attack, but they take a take a while to wind up, wind it up. It's a big sort of um, haymaker, isn't it? A big swipe. They, 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 yeah, they give, yeah. And, it used to be a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it definitely feels like it's been slowed down to the point where, like, yeah, hit the X button. Seriously, it's the X button. That's what they hit it now. Now hold it. Yeah, hold it. Okay, just you'll keep on going. Don't have to mash that button. You'll be fine. So, which leads me on to my next question. And uh, you might think, well, this is this is a standard thing. This is a standard model. But is it? Because um, I want to talk about stamina. Uh, the stamina bar, the little green bar, is, I've found, the most important thing to look at other than the avatar you're controlling yourself. Uh, and yeah. the, the stamina in Elden Path of the Forgotten is just so important. Um, why? Why did yeah, you go I'm actually this? happy. 
that you mentioned Stanima because that was one of the things that I got like a lot of early feedback on from some pretty well-known devs that Stanima is stupid and it's just not something that should be in games if it's just not needed. And I was very adamant that no, it is something that's needed. And I think the reason why it's so important in Elden is because it is a 2D top-down action game. And if you can just move faster than an enemy, then you can move faster than an enemy. And there's not really a lot to drag you into the combat properly. So having that stamina there for not only slowing down the player, but for making them actually think, because in the combat system, you can interrupt attacks and stuff like that. But if you go up to an enemy and you're out of stamina and you're going to try to interrupt an attack, they're just going to hit you. There's nothing you can do about it. So it's all really just about balancing those interactions, which is what the whole combat system is based off, is thinking about when you should attack, not just reacting to being attacked. Yeah, it's not Diablo, everyone. (laughs) You know, know, I've often said this in in the show about Diablo, and Diablo 3 got to the point where if you're a spellcaster, you can't actually, when when you're actually at the upper levels, like 60, 70, you can't even see what's going on on the screen. This is the yeah, whole collide. It's yeah, it's a mess. Uh, it's a... <laughs> I've, I've mainly played Diablo one and two, but even two has that problem with uh, like necromancy and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a big kaleidoscope of white noise and destruction, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's great, but you don't know when to stop firing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's one and, still alive. Yeah, it, it ends up feeling like I don't know. Those kind of games are good, and I love the Diablo games, but hack and slash combat and stat management for me personally becomes very tiresome very quickly yeah yeah the uh i'm not much of a fan of min maxing and that kind of stuff which is weird because i love dark souls and i made a game that's partly inspired by dark souls but i I, I don't really get into that side of playing it and do no don't you have to um but um everyone has their own sort of like things they like to, to 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 lash on to and yeah. uh, for me the reason I like playing the other games is just actually like sort of playing through the story and see what's going on because I like being me I like me a bit of story I do yeah, yeah it's the role playing that made me so like so addicted to those games um Diablo 1 is a pretty influential game on my life I guess it's one of the games I played with my brother when I was really young growing up um we play it co-op on the PlayStation 1 because there was a PlayStation 1 release of Diablo, which most people don't realise. Yes, there is. I've got it. Uh, it's, it's very good. Quite as good as the PC original, uh, but it did a really good job of uh, fitting in extraordinary experience. And, you know, your first encounter with the Butcher is terrifying. <laughs> it's like, yeah. hang on, why would he die? Oh, uh, no, no, he's not an easy... This one, you're, everything you've been doing <laughs> up until this point is a complete waste of time. You've got to actually yeah. use tactics now. What? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was actually uh, yeah, a pretty big moment of my childhood. Yeah. That butcher fight. <laughs> it's like, it's it's up there with many of the iconic sort of fights. Like, even if it's a caco demon on Deem and Doom and the butcher and, and Diablo. Ask anyone of a certain age, you go, oh, yeah, that, yeah. Did you survive? No, of course <laughs> I didn't. No. Okay. <laughs> Were you prepared? Yeah. No, I wasn't. No. Okay, fine. But ever since then, even to this day when I replay it, I just dread that encounter. I just dread it. You know, I know what to do now. It's a piece of cake, but it's like... Anyway. Next question. It is a 
Sounds it good. is a yeah, it is apparent that a player uh, must yeah, sorry. No, sorry, sorry, no, nothing. Uh, it is apparent that the player must adapt to multiple methods of attack in Elden Path of the Forgotten. How can you explain? Well, can you explain how this came about? Why? Why did you? Because in most uh, games, it's you have a furrow. You just say, "Oh, you're a, you're a board and sword person." You just go in and hack away and back off. And when you're when you're attacked, and then you go back in again when it's an opening, etc. But with Elden Path of the Forgotten, that's not the case. It's every tool you've got available, you have to exploit and be really good at to get anywhere. Why was that? Why have you gone through that 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 way of playing? Yeah. So my my intention with that mainly was just the game doesn't have a leveling system, um, so the progression kind of comes through your own personal learning and just through discovery. Um, and if I made it so that one weapon was kind of good enough to fight everything, then I wouldn't really be forcing the player into actually thinking, and it wouldn't really be putting the player into a situation where they can engage with the combat properly because if you like in games with a more in-depth combat system one weapon is fine but Elden's combat system is a lot more boiled down and a lot of that complexity comes from the use of multiple weapons so i think it's just kind of inherent in the design of the combat system because it's based off options and not leveling i found the most powerful thing to understand with uh, Elden is really know where you are what you're going to do and where you're going to be and then exploit that fact like where am i am i at range from this being yes can i fire a spell off yes do that then <laughs> am i at close yeah, positioning, range good positioning and timing is everything in the combat um like <laughs> one of the people from the publisher vlad who does like the pr and stuff it's kind of like he's good at the game now, but the first few times I like watched him play it, I just don't think he fully understood that, and it was quite entertaining to watch him just go in and try and fight it as like a hack and slash kind of thing, and just not really understand why he was just dying every time. But yeah, yeah it's really important that you make sure you know where you are, where you're going, and when you're going there when you're in combat. And one of the things I also really appreciate is that you really advertise to the player that they are low on health. That's great because the screen, the sound goes muffled. You, your heartbeat's racing or very loud, and uh, in the game, not personally. And uh, you're yeah. like, you're you're close to death here. You may sort that out and even find an apple or something, uh, which I, again, it's lovely discovering how to get an apple from a tree. I'm not going to say it, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it's like, yeah, you, you need to deal with yourself. And so so many games screw this up. They just don't advertise that you're close to death. It just, there's no yeah. visual change at all. At all. It's just like, yeah, you've got one sliver of health life. Really? Yeah, how did I know? We see that tiny little bar in the bottom right-hand corner <laughs> that you can't see. Yeah, yeah, that, that's where your health is. But that's not in my vision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really like using audio combats, uh, audio feedback for the combat because your brain can just... It can, reg- it can register that feedback so much quicker than visual feedback, but it also doesn't take any of your attention away from what you're already doing. So it just it allows you to just feel a lot more natural, I suppose. Last question, then. Uh, that last point was an observation, by the way, everyone. It wasn't a question. So <laughs> is this. 
the distorted plan view. That's what I call it. It's a distorted plan view uh, and uh, sounds. Uh, they invoke a really oppressive atmosphere in Elden Path of the Forgotten. Um, was this deliberate? And was this really to feed into to advertise to the player that they should proceed with caution over every corner and every path they encounter? You just mean like the sound design in general? or The sound and visuals, just the presentation of Elden Path yeah. of the Forgotten. So, I just found it very oppressive. And, you know, yeah. not negative, but yeah. One one of the things I wanted really early on was I wanted the world to feel like a character as much as Elden does. Um, that's one of the things I really like about the Dark Souls games is the world. Like, it, it feels like you're playing the world as much as you're playing your character. Um, yeah, and I think just strong audio and taking slow time, I mean, taking your time and having nice animations for things that you don't need can really add just to that sense of a world, which adds to the whole sense of realism and, I don't know, I suppose, immersion. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just really... There's lots of little, like, ac- sort of accents, if I want a bit of phrase, just to start details, I should say, really, of beings just, you know, going about their business, doing their thing, big statues of things and the, 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 the aftermath of something, lots of people dead... And killed, it's rather terrifying, and people dying, and you encounter them, and they, uh, and they help you, uh, or uh, or not. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's it, it. It generally feels it sort of layers on the point of all is not well, and also this world doesn't seem right. It seems a bit off. It doesn't seem quite right. Everything is broken, and uh, whether you can fix it or not, or whether that's your job or not, is another matter. But ultimately, it's everything slightly broken. I just think the use of the distorted view was, was very. It, it, it reflected that fact. Is that fair to say? No, yeah, I, I love that you said that because, like, one of the really hard things was trying to get that across without just having an NPC at the start that just tells you that that's what's happening. Um, like, that just puts you into that sense with words, which is a lot easier. So, yeah, it's definitely. Definitely what I was going for and nice to hear. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the philosophy that the Warhammer... Now, bear with me as we go into this. So Warhammer Fantasy, which I played the pen and paper role-playing game for, the, the world is broken. Everything is slightly off. Everyone in it is slightly off. It's not overly crazy. It's just... Why would you think that? Why are you saying that? And then you look at the buildings, you look at the people, you look at the animals, the the, the birds, the, the the trees. Everything is slightly off. If it's too big or it's bulging or it doesn't seem. To, how can that be standing? It should be teetered. It should have toppled over by now, but it's still standing. How does that work? And that that discordant feeling that it makes you feel apprehensive. It makes you feel. Uh, uncomfortable, and that's what you've done with with Elden Path of Forgotten. As soon as you start playing it, you are uncomfortable. Sorry, but it's just it, it, no. It that's, is... that's the whole point: is the sense of the unfear, and I mean, of fear of the unknown. Yeah, and yeah, making people feel uncomfortable and wanting them to know what's going on, but they can't know everything. Which I think is a really important thing in Elden: is that you can't know everything. Um, no. No. You can just put together what you know, put your experiences to it and work out as much as you can. Yeah. 
which is what I got it from. Elden Path of the Forgotten, which is by One Rat Games. But yes. where's, where's the name come from? I have to ask. The name of the um, Yeah, that's actually a pretty good question. So One Rat Games is named after one of my old pet rats, whose name was Doc. And he was just the best rat ever. And the logo to the company is actually his footprint. So we just put his paw in paint and put it on some paper. And I scanned it into my computer, and yeah, that's the company's logo. Ha! <laughs> oh, they're extraordinary creatures, aren't they? They're very different. They've got a lot of very different personalities. Quite jarring. Yeah. So some of them are quite yeah, affectionate. Just... Some of them are very aggressive. But uh... yeah, a lot of that comes to just how they're brought up as well. Yeah, they're just yeah. they're very like affectionate animals and very misunderstood. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, they also don't live for very long, which is why I no longer have rats, just because no, they're very emotionally draining to yeah. Yeah, be going through the cycles. Yeah, most rodents don't live for that very long, it's got to be said. Um, yeah. Don't like dogs or cats who look for over a decade or so. It's uh, it's much less than that, which makes it hard, you're right. Um, yeah, that's, but... that's why I got a parrot, because she yeah. kind of lived for like 30 years, and yeah, yeah it's, a lot, yeah. it's a lot nicer. Burbs, they're lovely. So, as I said, Elden Path of the Forgotten by One Rat Games is out now. On I'll, just, I'll let you do the platforms because I don't want to mess this up. I, I know it's on the Switch and definitely on yeah. PC. Is it just Windows PC or at the moment? Uh, so it's on Steam, Utomic, and Nintendo Switch at the moment. Right. And yeah, just on Windows at the moment. But I'm testing a Linux build. Good. I do have to ask And that we're question. releasing the PlayStation and Xbox later in the year. Great. That's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, so yeah. because of all the things going on with the consoles and everything yeah. that's going on with 2020, yeah, like hopefully it will be this year because there's not, yeah, but yeah, that's the plan. Yes, yeah, the plan. Well, the same architecture apparently. It's just they're a little bit, they're a bit monstrous really in terms of power. Well, Dylan, yeah, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Uh, no, yeah, it's been great talking to you. It's been yeah, quite enjoyable. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I certainly did. I got a lot out of it. You're more than welcome to come back as a return guest. We've had a lot of recently that people go off and then five years later, because they're meant to be two years later, but it turned into five. You can probably understand. <laughs> and they go, oh, made a new thing. Oh, okay. Let's, let's talk about it. So but the bonus of that is you don't have to ask the first five questions. <laughs> because we've done all right already although we still have to do what you're playing right now we do do that because you know it will be different but um yeah dylan's been wonderful having you on the show and thanks very much yeah thanks for having me you have been listening to the sausage factory podcast part of the cane and rinse collective support us for just two us dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and at our website, canonrince.com. <laughs> <laughs>